everybody. This is Michael Nettemeyer here with Jeff King and Joe Geary, and we are your host of the Witwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. We're talking all things real estate, and today we want to dive into pre-qualifying your appointment, what to do. We've talked a lot about lead generation, different systems and strategies, and now we're diving into you set an appointment, now what do you do? So there's actually a lot that goes into pre-qualifying people, a client, uh, and one of the things you want to be able to get really good at is, well, I guess before we even dive into that, let's just touch a little bit on what do we do when we pre-qualify somebody, right? So the things that we're doing are, one, when we're on the phone, we want to get as much information out of that client as possible, and we want to be asking the right questions. And so one of the things I always like to do is, you know, pre-qualifying kind of sets the standards for the appointment. So things I like to know is, are they going to interview anybody else right now? Or, or is there anybody else that they're going to be interviewing? Uh, just asking different questions like that. And so I think a big misconception, too, is a lot of people, the busier you get with appointments and, and basically the busier, the more your business starts to pick up, you need to do a much better job of pre-qualifying people. I'd say in the beginning, you want to, of course, pre-qualify, but in the beginning, you want to go on as many appointments as you can. And just to get the experience and start meeting with people, getting in front of people, as your business starts to grow and evolve, you need to get really good at pre-qualifying people to to make sure that you're not spending a lot of time on unnecessary appointments. Yeah, definitely. I think another thing to add to that too is that especially when you ask the question if they're interviewing other realtors, always be under the impression too that even if they have a realtor, that they should be open to a second opinion. So if I have a, a client that I'm talking to and say, oh, well, my friend's a realtor or my uncle's a realtor or someone that I know and my family's a realtor, we at least want to have the conversations with them and ask if they're interested in a second opinion because that's where we really start to set ourselves apart. We're not just coming in as a family member that knows them from the very beginning. We treat every client like it's something that we have to do to earn their business. And by having that conversation, it's much easier to then go on these appointments with the mindset of, okay, I am competing in a sense. You have to be able to win out against another agent. So you do have to be positioned best in order to do that, even if it is somebody that they already know. Yeah, and it's definitely good to find out what their motivation is on the phone too because you can dive into that immediately as soon as you get there and just start building rapport with them and also use leverage that kind of against them almost to try to close them to get them to sign with you to work with you. So that's good. it's good to find out what their motivation is over the phone before you even get to the appointment because you can def definitely leverage that to your abilities to close them. What would you say some of the most common motivations that, that we see typically are when we're, when we're talking to them on the phones? Probably someone that's already moved. You say they, they, they're paying two mortgages right now, so they, they just can't afford to hold another house and to get rid of it as soon as possible. That's definitely something you can use against them to or use for your ability to get them to close with and work with you so it's definitely one of the biggest motivation factors i've seen probably mm -hmm. i would agree with that i think that relocation is another big one if they have to get somewhere and maybe the husband or wife that's relocated for the job they're in the new city that they're in and they're coming home on weekends that can start to cause a lot of tension on, on the family and so i think that's that's where you need to dive into motivation like you said and make sure that you're really good on figuring out what's the reason they want to sell one of the things I like to do, too, on a pre-qualifying is ask a question, if what I say makes sense and you feel absolutely comfortable and confident that I can get your home sold, will there be anything that would stop you from listing your home with me tonight? Because that's where you're going to get an objection because we want objections up front so we know what to discuss. Now, hmm. we don't want to go into objection handling over the phone. We don't want to go into talking about condition or price of the home over the phone, but we want to know what objections we might get thrown at us when we're on the appointment and what might be some roadblocks that we may hit that might cause us not to leave the listing appointment because we want to make sure that when we go on a listing appointment and we are, we leave there with a signed agreement. 
because you need to assume that if you don't leave there with a signed agreement, you're not going to get it. Yeah. All right. And and so we leave. If we do leave at times, you may get it, you may not. But you need to go into this with the mindset that if you walk out of the door without a signed listing agreement you're probably not going to get it. Yes, the and the chances of them is. calling you back is very slim. And that's why, too, I think looking at objections from the standpoint of that an objection is not a rejection. An mm-hmm. objection is a complaint. It's some kind of a complaint that's kind of preventing them from doing something right now, but it's not a flat-out no. It's something that you overcome. And so once that mindset starts to shift on objections, that every objection can be handled no matter what it is, typically it's a complaint. And if you get to the bottom of whatever that complaint is, you get over the objection, and then you get into actually closing business. Agreed. I agree with that. And so some questions you want to ask people while you have them on the phone. So you just set an appointment. I like, you know, I think if you can do the pre-listing call while you still have them on the phone, do it. You want to get as much, extract as much information as possible. So you do want to ask them, are you going to be interviewing other realtors? You want to know that because one, you want to know if you're competing against anybody and who you're competing against. The other thing is if, if as you start asking your pre-qualifying questions, you want to be listening for personality styles. Because you want to know that it's typically a high D personality. And if you don't know what these these, these uh, personality styles are, Google Tony Robbins DISC, D-I-S-C. And you can start learning, learning behavioral patterns for people and their personality traits. So somebody that's a high D or a high I, those are people that are quick decision makers. So they're going to, get, they're going to make decisions quick. So if you know that you're talking to a high D or a high I, you want to be the first in the door. Right. If you're talking to an S or a C, someone that's a little bit more analytical, numbers-driven, they really think through the process, you want to be probably the last in the door because that's gonna, you'll resonate as the last person that they talked with, and they're not going to make a decision regardless. So whether you're first in or last, they're probably not going to make a decision with the first person that comes in the door. They're going to want to know all of the numbers run, you know, kind of carefully, and they're going to commit to, I have three people lined up, we're going to meet with all three. Or a high D or high I would say, you know what, I really like you. I think you can sell my house. Let's do business. So I think that's important to know too is who are you dealing with? And you can gauge that information. One of the best questions you can ask is tell me a little bit about your home. And that's how you can start to realize what's their personality style. A high D is going to be somebody that's like, well, you tell me. I mean, you can see it online, can't you? I mean, why don't, why don't you know, can't you figure it out? That's what I'm having you over. That's going to be a high D. A high I is going to be somebody that's like, um, Oh, I, we, you know, we finished the basement, we put this in, we just put a pool in the backyard, it's great for entertaining. You know, they're going to get real elaborate and, and, and detail on in kind of the what the features of the home are, where your S's and C's are going to be more like talking about the insulation in the house, the <laughs> energy efficient, right? You know, we put we upgraded these windows to these this high E, low, whatever, low E, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be talking about the efficiencies of the house. So in asking that one question, you can start to gauge people's personality styles and then you know how to tailor your appointment to it as well because one listing appointment strategy style won't work on every single person and so if you go into it where you're just talking about yourself and how great you are and everything like that that's not going to work for a lot of people if you're going up against a high d not up against but going to meet with a high d you need to be very direct to the point not a lot of fluff not not using a whole lot of words just to the point they want to know quickly how are you going to get their home sold if you're talking to a high i you need to get into more rapport building, right? If you're talking to an S and a C, you need to be very numbers driven because they want to know average days on market, price per square foot, what have you sold in the area, everything like that. So you need to get a little bit more analytical in your approach. So that's important where I think a lot of people miss on that. They don't figure out who they're talking to, who their audience is, 
And because of that, they don't get into rapport with them. Exactly. And, and mirroring. That's one yes. thing that we talk a lot about is like when anybody that you're talking to on the phone, it's really important to mirror back what their kind of personality is. And, and you almost have to switch what your personality is like to be able to best complement a D personality that you're talking to or a high I or an S or a C. After you figure out what those different personality traits are, you're going to find in yourself what what personality trait you really do typically blend in the most well with but at the same time you can't ignore all the other three you'll follow you'll fall into whatever your highest is but if you're if you're not able to at least kind of put that mask on for a moment in a way and be a high d if you're really somewhere somewhere like a higher s or c if you're a little bit more introverted for example being able to mirror just Mm -hmm. at least for that appointment or at least for that phone call conversation puts you ahead of the pack for people that don't do that or don't understand what personality traits are and then in order to make sure that you're relatable so people work with people that they like to actually work with and that they can see themselves with so somebody that is is kind of reminding them of themselves they get along great with that's where you can build a lot of rapport and really going into the the appointment especially if you gather all that information already ahead of time on the phone call it makes it a lot easier as soon as you step through the front door agreed yeah i think that's a great point and i think that's what a lot of people don't do they just kind of say i'm set in my ways i am who i am and they don't learn to adapt to other people's mm-hmm. personality styles and you're right that's how you get into rapport so that's extremely important that you do that and so I think there's a lot of these little tips that, that can help you that you can learn about the person up front before you even go on the appointment. Now, as far as putting stuff together on the appointment as well, of course, you want to run comparables. Right? And so we do a lot with our comparables and, and doing kind of four different uh, evaluations, if you will. We'll pull the neighborhood and look at recent solds. And something to think about, too, you know, as the market shifts as well, homes that have sold a year ago might not be your comparables. You may only need to go back six months now because things that sold a year ago homes may not be pulling that same value today that they were pulling a year ago. So you need to kind of take all of that into consideration. Every market's hyper-local, so we're all different. So if your market's a market that's starting to shift, you might need to look at that and only go back maybe three months, four months, or six months. But typically, we like to find five active homes, five under contract, and five sold and compare them very similar to our homes. We don't want, if it's a ranch house, we don't really want to compare it to two stories. If that's the only option we have, we'll look at that. But we want to be looking at similar homes, kind of comparing apples to apples. So we look at homes in the neighborhood and look at a price per square foot. We look at the Zestimate. Now, although everyone realtors hate Zillow, we get it, (laughs) we get it. But there is a little bit of validity to the Zestimate because the general public looks at it. And they base a lot of what they think their house is worth off that number. And so although in your area it might be a one out of five confidence score of how accurate it is, the general public still looks at that Zestimate. So you need to take it into consideration. So we're taking the Zestimate. We have the Realtor Valuation Model, which is in our RPR through our MLS, which gives us an evaluation. And then we take the tax evaluation price as well off the tax record. So we blend all of those together, add those four up, multiply it by four, and that's what gives us our price divided. Excuse me, not all them. I wish we could multiply it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we sell a lot more expensive homes. Um, we, would, we would divide it by four, and then what that's going to give us is our price. And typically what we find in our experience is that's within 1% to 2% of where the home actually sells. Now, there are other factors to take into consideration here. If you go to the house and it's just completely trashed, it's not going to pull that price. But if it's a it's a decent, it's in good shape, it's been updated, and it's in parallel with the other homes in the neighborhood, 
chances are you could get a number that will sell pretty close to that. And that's extremely important why we need to be previewing homes. Because then we can go and talk about what the actual condition of the homes were that sold. Or it's even easier if the home is still active on the market because you can schedule a preview and get in there. That way you're not just talking about the pictures that you see online. You can actually go in there and present to that potential client of yours, hey, I've already previewed these homes that are on the market in the area. This is where yours compares. And this instead of just looking at on paper what the prices and the valuation models actually are, you're able to have that kind of ammo to say, this home is more updated than yours, or your home is more updated than this one, mm-hmm. and that will actually reflect the price much better than just putting the numbers on paper, running the square footage, the dollar per square footages, and then kind of pulling what the valuation models are. Set yourself apart by doing the work ahead of time, right. go and preview the homes, and then it's kind of as an added bonus after the home sells, if it just so happens that that was a home that you previewed previously it's even better for you because it shows that you're active in that market right yeah i definitely recommend printing these numbers out too and, sh- and being able to show them in person because probably next to commission that's the second biggest objection price so just by having those numbers printed out in front of them and just showing them the facts it's mm-hmm. hard for them to even you know debate that because it's right in front of them and it's right. factual information agreed and that's why we like to we use a company called cloud cma i think it's like 25 dollars a month maybe and that allows us to print our books off where we have a we have a basically a CMA booklet. We bring them, and it shows all of the interior photos of the house. So now it's not just looking at numbers because we do a one-line CMA as well. But they can actually flip through this book and look at, oh, wow, this kitchen's really updated. Ours isn't as updated. This one has hardwood floors. Ours has 10-year-old carpet. So they can actually look at that and see that uh, comparing their house to that, and it actually helps them self-discover what it should be priced at. So I think that's super important as well. So we use Cloud CMA and then a company called Unibine that puts all of our CMA booklets together. So I think that's definitely important. And I agree, too, with the previewing that by previewing houses, and you can actually say, you know, I've been in this house. Here's what it offers. Here's what it has that yours doesn't have, or here's what yours has that this doesn't have. It really portrays you as that market expert because they're like, oh, wow, you've seen every single house in our neighborhood that's either been for sale or that was under contract. So previewing is extremely important and being able to justify what where we're coming at from a price and not just making it up. And that's why we like to use our evaluation model with that because we're taking sources from multiple different areas, merging them together, and it's giving us a price. And it's not something we're just making up out of thin air. It's actually has some thought and a bit of a system to it yeah. to where it helps us with pricing. One one thing that I ran into on one of the appointments we went on is one of the one of the interview people that was interviewing us, they said, you know, how accurate are these evaluation models? And I said, by themselves, they're not necessarily accurate, which is why we have to pull multiple. Never rely on just one source for you to say, okay, this is the price of the house, this is the only number, or this is the only model that I've looked at that said whatever the price is. Make sure that even if you pick different sources than we use, at least have have multiple that you're averaging together. That's mm-hmm. the most important part is that you're not only relying on just the dollar per square footage or just the valuation model or just a Zestimate or just the tax records because there's a lot more that goes into those types of things. And then obviously seeing it as per- in person is always going to be better than just taking a look at the pictures too. Agreed. And I think what's important too, thinking about a lot of people just base stuff off price per square foot. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. And it's especially not the case in, in the luxury market. So yeah. when you start getting into the high end over a million, two million, three million dollars, you can't go off price per square foot on those homes because those properties are so unique. They may have imported marble. They may have things that, that in one house might cost 10000 and in their house it costs 50000 So don't just base it on price per square foot. 
be able to use the model we kind of laid out there, and I think you'll find that it helps quite a bit. Yeah, the other thing to be careful of, too, on dollar per square footage is when you're dealing with properties that have a lot of land, mm -hmm. because the more land and the acreage, you always want to make sure that you're taking that into consideration, because a home that's on 20 acres of land that's maybe 1,200 square feet, and a home that's 2,500 square feet on 50 acres of land is much different in price, but there are multiple things that are changing there. So keep that in mind, too, when you're looking at kind of what the, the prices are. And one other thing on price, too, it don't necessarily go by oh your neighbor's home sold for x and then that's what your home is worth as well too right. because we were in a very similar situation where there was a it was a split level it was a four bedroom three bath home that sold on this neighborhood and the home that went onto the market and was active it was a three bedroom two bathroom home and they tried to pre price it at just above where that last home sold and when i inquired with the agent you know why did you price it that way she was said that well it's more updated than the other house and while it was more updated it's two entirely different houses there's two different square footages two different split level versus a ranch mm -hmm. different bedrooms different bathrooms so don't just go by what the next door neighbor actually sold for make sure that it's comparable i totally agree yeah and one other thing too when when you're going before you go on an appointment you need to send some form of information out to these people prior to it a pre-listing packet so whether you mail it, it helps to mail it. If you can mail it and get it to them in time, mm -hmm. you want to do that. I would say as a last case resort, email, uh, because email. If they mail it, they're probably gonna you're gonna they're gonna open it and look at it. Sometimes we don't have time. We set an appointment for tonight or tomorrow morning. You may not have time to mail it out, but you need to get them some information ahead of time. And for us, like our pre-listing stuff basically highlights everything we do in our listing presentation. It gives them an overview of all of the stuff we do. It gives them an overview of the homes we've sold that were on the market currently and didn't sell shows our track record, our reviews, testimonials, there's links to all of that. But you want to get them that information ahead of time because what that's also going to do is cut down the time you're spending on the appointment. Because that's one thing we like to do too is say, you know, it's only going to take this appointment when we come out, it'll take between 15 and 30 minutes. Does it take longer? It can at times. But what that does by telling them that it's going to be between, you know, it'll take about 15 to 30 minutes. Can we get our listing presentation done in 15 minutes? Absolutely. We can fly through it very quick. Now, it doesn't ever take 15 minutes because people have questions and everything like that, but we could if we needed to to get to it in 15 minutes. But by saying that, what that's setting the expectation for is that we're not going to be there for two hours. Right. So the seller is not going to expect us that this is going to be a two-hour appointment or a three-hour. Like We're not going to sit there and talk about things that aren't relevant to the home sale. We're going to get in there. They've looked at our pre-listing. They've seen our track record from the material that we provide ahead of time. And now we're getting in, getting right down to business, going over everything we need to do to get the home sold and then getting out of there within, typically it's 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I think it definitely helps set you apart from other realtors, especially if it's like an expired or a canceled and you're competing against three or four other realtors. And if you're the only one sending this out, then chances are they're not sending it out either. So it just kind of gives you the upper hand on the battle when yeah. you're going against other ones. Totally agreed. And so just to recap, we can run through kind of our pre-list questions here, and then we can also upload this. Or if you want this access to this, just email us. As, as, ugh, I can't talk <laughs> at the info at the netgroup.com. But first question, before I come out, there are a few questions I need to ask. Is that okay? If what I say tonight makes sense and you feel absolutely comfortable and confident that I can sell your home, are you planning to get started with me when I come out tonight? Right. So there's the first question. Are you looking to interview more than one realtor? Tell me again where are you moving to? and what takes you there. And then what's important about that is you're looking for the why. Why are they moving? What's the reason behind their move? And you want to drive on that motivation when you're in the appointment. How soon do you need to be there? How important is it to you that we meet that timeline? Right, so we're getting into all of those why questions. And then also asking them how much their house, like how much, when I see you tonight, how much would you like to list your house for? 
to get an idea on price. And if they say 300 and you think it should be listed at 250, you don't say, oh, I think it's closer to two. You don't object over the phone. You just want to get that information. So now you know that's going to be an objection you're going to encounter when you come out and meet with them, right? And so one of the things too you can say is, as a professional real estate agent, I study homes and prices every day. Therefore, I'll assume you'll list with me at a price that will cause your home to sell, correct? Simple objection. Well, yeah, we don't want it to sit on the market forever. Great. Now you can go into the appointment with that market data, right? So how much do you owe on the property? You can certainly ask that as well to find out where they're at because there are scenarios where we can get into a property and they might owe more than we can sell it for. And we need to know that up front so we don't get to the closing table and they have to bring thousands of dollars to closing and all of a sudden the deal's falling apart last minute. And don't be afraid to get into those details of those numbers because it's much easier to battle it head on and take into a consideration when you're pricing the home and what you need to sell it for as opposed to getting into it and then asking them for price drops if the home doesn't sell, for example, and then getting to find out, oh, they can't because they actually owe yeah. just as much as you listed it as. Exactly, because you went through all of that effort and work to find out now the deal's not going to work mm-hmm. because of that. So... And then the last thing, too, is ask them, when I come out tonight, will all decision makers be there? We want to make sure all of the decision makers are there because, again, we want to try to close them tonight when we go on the appointment. Because if you think about it, if we don't close them tonight, you need to have this mindset and develop this mindset. If you're not closing them tonight, you're not getting the listing. So you never want to leave a listing appointment without a signed agreement. So will all decision makers be present when I come out tonight? Well, I'm going to be there, but my wife doesn't get off till 6 o'clock. Okay, great. We want your wife to be part of the process as well. Why don't I come out at 6.30 instead of 5.30? That way she can be there as well. So you want to make sure you're getting there and all decision makers are there. So we can upload a list or just email us at info at the and we'll get you a list of these pre-listing questions. So hope that helps. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to us or send us an email, and we'll see you next week. Whatever it takes